welcome back, everybody, um, for another episode of Urban Paranormal, where you might be crazier than them, but, but your, your family, family to us. us. Hey. There you go. So tonight, man, we got a great, great, great show here, you know. Um, but first, let me start introducing everyone here. I'm your host, J.H., and my host at the same time. Trent A. Johnson. All right. And my co-host here. Brandy. And we have Ego Network. Ego. There you go. And today we have a special, special, special guest to everyone here, you know. And his, his name is Mr. Ramon. My name is Ramon, Ramon Meza, uh, founder and lead investigator of Ghost Houston. Awesome. So y'all probably already know where we're going, right? Y'all probably already oh, yeah. know where we're going. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. So everyone here, um, this is a real, all right, a, a real paranormal investigator, all right? So he has experience beyond, and he can answer any of these questions. So I'm going to start off with the first question. <sighs> How did you start in this? Man, I get asked that question all the time. Um I got started because, like a lot of people, I had an experience. It actually goes back to when I was a child. Um, I had an experience when I was a child mm -hmm. where I walked through from the living room into kind of the dining area, and I see this black shadow mass run out of the kitchen, out the back door, and the back door shakes. It was so intense. Like, whatever it was, Holy shook mom. the back door. Oh, wow. And Indeed. I cried. I thought it was a burglar. How old were you? I don't know, maybe seven, eight. Oh, okay, so it starts Because that's early. what you're taught, right? Right, right. I thought it was a burglar, but we were poor, or kind of poor, and we really didn't have a proper locks on the doors. We used padlocks. Okay. So when my father came in the room to find out why I was yelling and screaming, a burglar, um, we checked the back door, and the padlock was locked from the inside still. Oh, wow. So nobody physically was able to walk out, right? And... Man, growing up in the Hispanic community, you're kind of terrorized as from from birth almost about the paranormal. Right. Um, el cucuy is something mm. that we are taught when we are one, two, three years old to be scared of, and that means it's like the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what what you say? El el cucuy. What does that translate to? Roughly, it's. It's the name, but it means the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And our parents would tell us, hey, if you get up out of bed after I turn the lights out, the cuckoo is going to get you. That's funny. We we used to tell my kids the same thing. The same word, cuckoo? Yeah. Yeah. If you put your feet on the floor, the cuckoo is going to grab your ankles. Mm -hmm. So we were scared to death at the age of four, you know? Right. Um. We can go into that more of, of kind of my childhood trauma. Before later. you get too far off, I do want to ask, what did your parents think? Like, what the, what was their reaction to your experience of thinking that someone had, you know? They thought I was crazy. Okay. Um, they didn't think much of it. I feel like a lot of parents do dismiss when children have an experience. Right. Over-imagine, over-reactive. Yes. Imagination. Well, Basically. Yeah. No, for sure. And that's why I often ask people, uh, I come, I go on a case and the children see the, the spirits, but the adults don't. Mm -hmm. Why is it that children can see spirits, but adults usually don't? It's because children are not exposed to the filters of society yet. Right. Like adults are, right? A child has not been told for 20 years that ghosts aren't real. 
you know, whereas a 22 or 23 year old young man or woman has. Right. Um, so imaginary friends, that's a whole other fun conversation we can get into. So, um, so immediately after having your experience, you say you were four? I was probably seven or eight. Seven or eight. Okay. And so I knew something was off and I didn't know what. And it wasn't until 2000 and gosh, maybe 15. I'm sorry, 2005. Forgive me. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't until about 15 years ago that it all came rearing its ugly head again. Um, I had, was living in Baytown, and I just finished college, and I got a job up in Spring, and I was looking for a home, and you know I wasn't making a lot of money, but I needed a place, and so I was looking through the green sheets. I remember I stopped at a convenience store, and they were just putting out fresh issues of the green sheet. So I literally picked a green sheet up off of the truck. I opened it for homes for rent or whatever, and there was a house right in the area, and the guy wanted like 400 425 a month. Wow, that's cheap. That's cheap. Super I was paying cheap. like 1200 a month in Baytown, right? Oh, and right. so I knew the area, and I'm like, okay, I'll call him. So I called him, and he picked up the phone immediately, and he's like, hey, first month, last month, the key is yours. So I said, There's a catch to it, though. Well, you don't know that, right? When it's happening, <laughs> you don't think that. You're just like, man, I got to steal. Right, right. Right. And so I go to the neighborhood. The neighborhood is nice. It's an older neighborhood. Um, Can you tell us where that was? Um, man, wasn't it was over? It's in it's in Spring, west of okay, okay, west of night. I mean, right around 1960 and 45. Just so we can avoid the house. Hey, watch out! Oh, you're funny. Uh, <laughs> so. I get into the house, man, and it's all, you know, fine and dandy, you know, and it's a pretty home. I've got spare bedrooms and more room than I know what to do with. And um, my best friend at the time was HPD. And he worked that beat and worked that area. And so either before his shift or after his shift, you know, you got to realize 15 years ago, right? I'm 30 years old. Um, video games was still a thing for me. Kind of still is now, but well, whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> He would come over and I'd, you know, I'd cook or we'd play video games. We'd hang out, right, like best friends. Right. But he's usually in full uniform because it's right after a shift or right before a shift. So he's actually sitting on my couch. He's playing a video game. It's five or six in the afternoon and watching the TV. And then there's hallways that go down each side, you know, of the living room. And we see a, a shadow but in human form, walk from one side of the hall, slowly, from one side of the hallway to the other. What was your initial feeling in that moment? Shock. Like, did, was it an out-of-body experience for well, you? Well, you, 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 you can't process it. Yeah. Exactly. You can't, you're not programmed to process a shadow in human form in three dimensions walking right in front of you. Oh, no, I totally get it. You know, and so... I looked at my friend and he looked at me and we both kind of had our mouth open and he goes full HPD. Like, cause wow. well, we think it's an intruder. We think right. it's an intruder, right? Yeah. So he goes full HPD, like gun drawn. Okay. Hold on. I don't mean to stop you, but how far away from you guys was this apparition or whatever? Probably from here to where the door is. So for the so listeners, about, 10 about, feet, 12. about 10, 15 feet, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So we see, and it's slow, man. It just 
passes right in front, like from the bathroom to the laundry room kind of thing, right? Okay. Wow. With the light in the hallway on. Wow. We both see it. So it was like well lit. It was Very no well mistake. Lit. The sun was still out. Yeah. Shit. And so our eyes were not playing tricks on us because we both saw it. In fact, he called me a couple of days ago just to remind me about that incident. I said, yes, I remember. Thank you. Wow. Um, <laughs> so he goes full HPD, like gun drawn. I think he had his gun drawn. I know he had his hand on, a, on his, on his service weapon. And he's like, HPD, come out kind of stuff, right? And I'm freaking out. Um, of course, there's nothing there. But he walks back in the room, and before he and I actually could talk, I hand them a piece of paper, and I tell him, write down what you saw, and I'll do the same thing. So he wrote down, I remember, he said, a black shadow, and I wrote down at the same time, shadow person. And wow. we looked at each other's Holy notes. Shit. And he looked at me, and he said, man, I'm not crazy. And I said, I'm not crazy either. Wow. So did he come back to your house after that? No. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I don't blame him. Real quick. Uh, for everyone, fans from across the pond, um, he says HPD, that is Houston Police Department. This is, we're in Houston, Texas, where this is taking place. Okay, just so you guys know. So, no, man, he, uh, he didn't come back, and I'll tell you why, and it makes sense. He says it violates everything he knows as a police officer. He is sworn to serve and protect. And he says, I can't do anything against that. Right, right, right. and he said that it, it, it's not. He it doesn't compute. Okay, so did it did it scare you at all, or was or were you more intrigued? I was by, more intrigued than okay. anything. Yeah, wow. Because I, I immediately flashed back to my eight year old self. Okay. Right, and it goes comes full circle. Because right. I saw the shadow person move from one side to another, and I had that eight year old image in my, or when I was an eight year old, that image in my head of the same similar looking shadow move out my back door. So can I ask you this? Did you have like that experience where people have said in the past, um, right beforehand, before it happened, did it seem to get colder in the room? Okay, so that does happen, but at that time, no. Okay. And it very well could be, I didn't know what I was looking for, right? Okay. Um, I had zero experience in the paranormal at that time. So you would say that when people experience that, it's a sensitivity that they have? Do you know why? Why? So the theory is, is that manifestations of spirits is nothing but energy manifesting into the form of a human, right? Okay. Um, if you look at the law of conservation of energy, it states that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just transfers from one form to another. If you're millions of electrons firing off, what happens when you die, right? And so the theory is that energy has to go somewhere. And so... What we do, and what I like to say is what, as investigators, is we investigate energy. Okay. Okay. And sometimes that energy takes on human characteristics that uh, cannot be explained. Well, let me ask you this. Are you religious at all? Good question. Um, I grew up Southern Baptist, hardcore, uh, not by choice. Mama drug us to church Same constantly. Yeah. Um, and in, in the Southern Baptist mentality, right? We don't talk about ghosts. Mm -hmm. And I got a fun story about that too. Um, so to answer your question today, I'm spiritual, I would call myself. Okay. I don't okay. affiliate with one religion or another. Same okay. here. Uh, Same here. Investigating the paranormal has made me very spiritual. Yeah. Um, because you have to be. You have to be open-minded. And 
so, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, so yeah, man, I had this experience. It didn't scare me. I wanted to know more about what was happening and what was going on. So I called the owner of the house and I said, really? what in the blue hell <laughs> I would have loved to hear that conversation is right? going on here? And he tried to play dumb and he said, well, I don't, I, what, what do you mean? And I, and I told him, I said, you know exactly what I mean. And he was quiet for a minute and then he said, did you see it too? Hell yeah, I saw it. That's so nonchalant. Did you see it too? Right. Knowing the whole situation. He was supposed mm-hmm. to disclose that when you rented the place, wasn't he? Not by law. No. You can't. You don't have to disclose that in Texas. I, I think, don't even think anywhere you have to disclose. I think you should have to disclose yeah, if there was a death that, yeah. in the home. A death. Yeah. 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 But just because there's a spirit doesn't mean there was an actual death there. Right. And most people won't advertise, hey, this house is haunted. Um, and I put two and two together and I said, that's why the rent is so cheap. Right, right. And he said, yes, he get rid of it. I cannot keep tenants. People run. How long did you stay there after that? Um, probably about six to eight months later. Did you Were, were you already intending to move or that was your reason? No, I, you know, you, you were kind of, as you grow and become an adult, you want a house one day. And I was kind of going through that process. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to move and get a home home of my own. Okay. So the uh, ghost wasn't the reason you moved? No, the ghost was okay. not the reason I moved. Okay. So. okay. But that's what got you started. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what got me interested in it. Okay. And I wanted, like anybody... I think who has an experience, you have more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had many questions and no idea how to get the answers to those questions about the afterlife. It violated everything I knew as a Southern Baptist, you know, it because right. there are no ghosts, right? You go yeah, to we or actually hell. talked about that on the last show. Too. You know, yeah. you go yeah. to heaven or hell. Yeah. Right. right? No in between. No According in between. to the Bible. And... So it shook me kind of to my core, and I wanted to learn more about the paranormal. So how do you learn more about the paranormal in Houston, Texas? Well, what everyone was doing in 2005, I went to Craigslist, (laughs) right? Yeah. So there I am. I'm like looking for ghost hunter type people to join team, whatever, whatever I wrote. And I had just a slew of people from every corner of Houston respond to me. Just dozens and dozens of people. But I didn't even know what I was looking for. Wow. You know? Like, I'd never done this before. So I imagine you had to weed through the people. You probably got some... Weirdos? You Some weirdos yes. in the bunch, too. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, man, I can go on and on. But I yeah. was Joan of Arc in, this, in my other life. Yeah, That's man. People yeah. say... You know, I think uh, the sixth sense, the sixth sense movie or whatever was popular, and mm-hmm. oh, I, yeah. see, I see dead people. I'm right, like, okay, right, get it, all the man. time. Right, 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 all the time. So, I'm a pretty logical guy. I mean, I'm ex-military. I did electronics in the military. I've got a few college degrees. Like, I'm very logical thinking, and I was looking for like-minded people to think kind of in the same manner. And one guy in particular. Um, his name's Jack, and he's part of my crew. He's been with me for 15 years. Um, he was the first guy to respond, and I met with him over coffee or something, and he and I were very like-minded, similar experiences, those kind of things. And so immediately I knew I wanted that guy. Um, the rest of the people who came and tried to dip their toe in the water and be part of my team, man, it was a train wreck. 
Um, I had a crew from one of the local news stations. Like, they worked camera and audio, and they did kind of behind-the-scenes work. And they wanted to investigate, too. So I'm like, okay, you have equipment. Because at the time, I had nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? I've got tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment now. But at the time, I had nothing. And these guys had all, you know, professional-grade cameras and recording devices. And I said, okay, y'all guys can come along and play, too. So I have this makeshift Motley crew, right? And so I'm like, okay, now what do you do? How do you investigate? Where do you investigate? Who do you investigate? And again, man, I had no idea. Only the stuff I saw on TV. Wow. So where, where do you go to find haunted houses in Houston? Craigslist. Craigslist. So, <laughs> again, back in the Craigslist I went and fired up an ad saying, hey, we're ghost hunter something. I didn't even have a name. And, but we're here to help. Right. And sure as hell, people started calling and the phone started ringing. And so we found and we had our first case. And I said, okay, cool, let's go. And if I remember correctly, it was in Baytown. And so, man, we load up just like you see on TV. Were you nervous? Like, oh, hell yeah. Okay. What do you tell them? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say. Right. right. And right. so, but I'm going. And sure as shit, we went and we took off to Baytown and. I had equipment, they had equipment, we set up this, we did that, we recorded this, we recorded that. And you know what? We didn't help that person. Could you speak a little on that case? Like, what was that case? Sure. Um, If I remember correctly, that case was a woman, not a house, who was being tormented by an incubus. Whoa. We actually talked about that on the last show. That's the sexual. Sure. So there's... So an incubus and a succubus, um, those are considered to be demonic spirits that attack uh, sexually the living, right? And so um, an incubus is a male demon form that will rape women at night or in their sleep or I suppose during the day. And a succubus is the female form of a demon that will um, rape men men in in their sleep generally. And so this was an incubus case. And man, it was tough because I don't, I never dealt with anything like that, right? I just saw a shadow person and now I'm dealing with a woman who's crying in my arms, literally in fear because she thinks she's getting violated day in and day out, night in and night out. Wow. You know? And so we set up cameras and I was watching and you could see what looks like something crawling up the sheets as at night while she sleeps. And again, I don't know how to help her. Right. And so ultimately months later I helped her, but at the time I didn't have any answers. So So what what did did you do? do? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What did you do? So at that point, religious intervention is needed. Okay. Okay. And there's certain things that I'm very capable of doing. At the time, I was not capable really of doing much of anything, right? I'm much more capable now of helping people. So you're really just going to confirm that there was a ghost there? Well, there was was something. Okay. Right? And I saw it with my own eyes, and I saw her, the stuff moving, and 
And there was a moment where we caught her reacting real violently towards us. So almost like a possession. Okay. Um, I mean, I've got the video of it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Because it just, okay, if what you, you guys have cameras and, and you have monitors, y'all watching everything, right? Right. That would be like, and you didn't know what was going on. Right. That would be almost like watching porn. <laughs> almost. I mean, almost. See, it's like watching porn, but yeah, just watching one person. The ghost I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Co- I wouldn't correlate a woman getting raped with watching porn. I mean, I'm just saying. But, yeah, but there's nothing sexual about it. it so, yeah. but, but that's what the the, the the demon is, though, right? It's tra- according. Yes, oh, according. according. Uh, but you know, she's fighting it, and she wants nothing. And she'll get up and run away, and and you know what I mean. Like, so it's not like. Are you so you're seeing her being like drugged back to the bed? No, no. Like you'll she's she's like laying in bed with a sheet over her, uh-huh. and she'll wake up and she'll say it's here. And you see what looks like handprints or f- whatever crawling right. up her legs, mm. like the sheets are moving. Right. Right. Wow. And she's panicking. Right. And then at that point, she tries to run away or disconnect herself from from the situation. But it doesn't matter because the moment she falls asleep, it happens again. And what ended up happening was um, it almost became like a possession case, too, because it got to a point where she's screaming and she's flicking her tongue at me like a like a snake and she's threatening me and it took oh it took me and her sister and one of my investigators who's a big boy the three of us are holding her down so is she a big lady no not really wow you know um but it took three grown adults two grown men and a, and her older sister to hold her down to protect her not only from hurting herself, but from hurting us. Wow. So you didn't feel that she was like mentally ill or anything like that? So when you start looking at cases of demonic possession, there's certain things that the church will look for. And we as investigators, we look for as well. Um, one of them is superhuman strength. Okay. There's no way a woman the size of Brandy can toss around Three big men. You know, probably 600 pounds of humanity. Wow. Right. You wow. know, like we're a sack of potatoes. Right. You know, screaming in a language we don't understand. Right. Um, that she's never learned. And, you know, flicking her tongue out like a snake and laughing at you and speaking in third person and knowing things about you that no one knows. And you know what I mean? Oh like my. that kind of stuff. Holy shit. So that was one of my first cases, right? Scared the living Jesus, no pun intended. Okay, let me. Let, let me ask you this. Yeah. So at that point, any of your team, did they have any experience? Or were all y'all were inexperienced? Every single one of us was so experienced, man. once y'all got confirmation that this was demonic, was anybody on your team afraid? So... Jack, the guy who's been with me since day one, was not. Okay. And the the other crew that was with me, I didn't give them a chance to be. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So I cut the cords with them right away because I just did not like how they investigated. Okay. Right? They were very pretentious. They acted like it's a TV program and they wanted to be loud and obnoxious and front and center and, you know, aggressive and provoking. And I didn't want that. That's not my jam, right? And so they lasted one investigation with us. And then for a long time, for years, it was just Jack and myself. 
It was a two-man crew because I didn't trust anybody. Yeah, makes sense. Right? Makes sense. If you're going to invite me into your home, that's a very sacred place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? right? I do not want to bring someone in there that's going to violate your trust, that's going to scare you. Like, And so for me, it's very important to know who it is that I take along with me. So Jack and I were partners. It must have been Jack and I for five or six years, just the two of us. Oh, wow. um, so long story short, that's how that's kind of how I got started. Um, I didn't know the answers. And you leave that case and you had more questions. But before you had time to process, your phone's ringing again. That's crazy. With all of that said, now I have some more questions oh, there's, for please. you. So... There are difference in between spirits and demonic spirit. Like there's different types of spirits, I guess you should say. Oh, yes. You want to open up this can of worms? <laughs> I told you. All right. As long as we pour knowledge, them on Jay, Give me, me knowledge. Say what? I said knowledge. Give me knowledge. Give you knowledge. Okay. When I get called out on a case, it's like a hierarchical tree and you start at the top. And you ask yourself, is the activity normal, abnormal, or paranormal. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Someone came to me saying, oh, my daughter's possessed by a demon. And I said, okay, what do you mean? Well, she's drawing pentagrams with crayons on the the wall. I said, okay. Uh, She's banging her head against the wall and she's saying she wants to kill me. I said, okay. And so she must be possessed. And I asked her and I said, there is nothing paranormal about anything you just told me. Right now, we have to go to a break. Okay, guys. let's go yeah. to a break. So as soon as we come back, we're going to hear more from Mr. Ramon and Ghost Houston. Right. Uh, I'm J.H. Brandy. Andy. Trinity Johnson. All right, and we'll be back in just a short minute after we pay these bills. Hey. Look here, guys. If you want a high-quality car for an affordable price, go see Alex Quality Cars, home of the low-down payments as low as $500. That's Alex Quality Cars at 4045 Southport, Corpus Christi, Texas. Zip code 78415. The telephone number, 361-452-2507. Once again, that telephone number is 361-452-2507. Big guest that we have here today is Ramon Meza. Awesome. From Ghost Houston. Ghost Houston. Yes, Ghost Houston. So, guys, if you do have a situation with ghosts, all right, remember look up Ghost Houston. Ghost GhostHouston.com. GhostHouston.com. So I want to pick up where we left off at a bit. So <clears throat> what is the so many people get confused behind this, right? They have okay. like a poltergeist and a regular spirit. You know, there's so many different spirits. How do you know which is which? So that's a great question. Uh, people ask us that all the time. And I think before the break, Brandy was asking that. Correct. Um, you have to, or what we do is we approach it as logically as possible. And I ask the question, is it normal? Is it abnormal? Or is it paranormal? And those are not the same things, right? Your pipes, you know, making noises in the house. If the house is old, that might be normal. Right. Right. It doesn't like that noise right there, right? Um, That might be a normal noise. Some people freak out. Um, What's abnormal? All it means is strange, right? It's stuff that doesn't happen normally. Maybe your pipes are clogged. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And normally they don't make noises, but now they are. Okay? And so... That's abnormal. That's abnormal, right? right. And then paranormal is going to be something that's supernatural. And so I had a client recently call me and tell me that their child was drawing pentagrams and saying they wanted to kill her and to do all of these things, and she wanted holy water. No problem giving people holy water, and I'll explain why in a second. But I asked the question, um, and I was telling someone on break, you know, I'm moving towards a PhD in psychology for the simple reason of understanding why people think what they do in the, in the world of the paranormal. That's so interesting. Okay. Um, I'm fascinated by not just the physical activity that's happening in someone's home, but what, here's how I sum it up. I get phone calls at three in the morning from a husband, wife, and uh, the wife holding her child standing in the middle of the street in a rainstorm. Cause they're scared to go back in the Cause house. Cause they're scared to go back in the house crying. Wow. They don't call the cops. They don't call the pastor. They don't call family. They call me. I mean, what do you tell the cops? Exactly, right? So from a psychological perspective, like what is happening that's so traumatic in someone's life right now that they run outside in a rainstorm crying, calling a complete stranger at three in the morning saying, please come into my house and help me. Well, people feel what they don't understand. That's right. And so... You know, that's just the fascin the psychology of it is fascinating for me. And so I was telling this client, I asked, I said, talk to me about the little girl. And well, she says she hates me. And I know a little bit about the case and the, the family. And I said, Well, you're not her mother. Well, I married her daddy. And I said, I get it. But what happened to her mother? Her mother died of cancer a year and a half ago when she was four and a half years old. And I asked the husband, I said, did your little girl grieve? Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, because almost six months after the death of my wife, I started dating the woman he's married to now. And I said, so your little girl. a shock for the little girl. Absolutely, Absolutely. right? I said, the little girl hasn't grieved. I said, she's now going through a point where she's probably, she probably misses her mama. Mm -hmm. You know? So she was lashing out. Exactly. So my recommendation, I said, I am not a doctor. I said, but do not confuse abnormal behavior with paranormal behavior. Mm -hmm. I said, my suggestion is go and have her talk to someone. Counseling. Exactly. Absolutely, right? That's exactly what I thought when you started saying that. And so there's a huge psychological aspect of the paranormal. And I'm very, very cautious in what cases I take and, Mm -hmm. and how I take them. Um, I have a case manager right now as we speak working on a case and she probably interviewed the client for two to three hours. She's writing up a five to 10 page report for me. Right. And what she's going to do is she's going to hand me that report and it's got, you know, what they smell, what they hear, what they see, what they feel, where they live, the house, the history, the people, the whole nine yards. Before I read that report, I'm going to ask a very simple question. And I will ask her, do you believe that they believe? And if the answer is yes, then I will do whatever I can to help them. Okay. Right. And I will go to someone's house and whether it's by um, force of suggestion, force of something spiritual, me just being there and cleansing the house and smudging it, me giving them counseling, 
whatever the case may be, if I can show up and they feel better about their situation when I leave, you know, and let's go back to the holy water. I've had many cases where people will sleep better at night knowing that there's a bottle of holy water next to them. Like a placebo. Like a placebo, right? Or or maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it is, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to discount the power of holy water. Right. But it's psychology. That's the, there's a psychology behind it. You Mm -hmm. sleep better. It's like a security blanket. And so if I show up with prayer and, and, and holy water and uh, a priest and you're able to sleep better at night once I'm done, my mission is accomplished. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. So as we sit here right now, so are you saying that there are no ghosts? It's more like a psychological situation. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. No, okay. Some cases. Um, right, some cases. Right. So, um, can, so let's, let's talk about the actual ghosts. Right. So let's get back to Brandy's original question. Correct. correct. So again, it goes into the normal, the abnormal, and the paranormal. So let's say we rule out normal and abnormal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you be- at this point, we both believe that there's something in this house. We both believe there's something in this house. Mm-hmm. So then you have to take it down a level mm-hmm. and you ask, is it intelligent? Or I'm sorry, is it um, human or inhuman? Okay. So that's kind of the next level. And Brandy, this is where your thought process comes in, right? Okay. When I say inhuman, that means it has never walked the face of this earth as a living. Never lived being or creature so would that declare it demonic or angelic what is that right and so angels oh if you believe in demons then by default guess what you believe in angels. you believe in angels okay you can't have black without the white and so by and large though it's usually the demonic that we encounter if we go down that route and that doesn't happen very often um, rarely do we encounter the angelic okay um so you ask human or inhuman. So let's talk about the inhuman. Never walk the face of this earth. That's something that's generally speaking considered to be demonic. I've done about 275 cases. I would say three maybe fit that category. The okay. demonic what, what, category. Right, the demonic category. So when that happens, though, exactly what do you do? What is it? Okay. You get a priest. Or- <laughs> so that's a great question. So the first time it happens, I it was in Porter, Texas. Okay. Wow. Um, well, I'm sorry. It was the first case I had that I didn't know what to do with. but And we got help with him finally. But when I encountered it again, it was in Porter, Texas. Okay. And they were Baptist. And I knew I needed religious intervention, right? Mm-hmm. Again, whether it's they're going a little crazy and they'll feel better when a, someone shows up and says, your house is blessed. Okay. I mean, I don't know. But I knew it was above me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Unless I dressed up like a priest or something, but I'm not going to lie to people. Um, So they were Baptist. And so I called their pastor and they wanted nothing to do with it. The Uh pastor's like, "Uh, no, no. we don't, we don't, we don't play that game. Right. 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 So they said, okay, let me call the Methodists. And the Methodists are like, oh, they're not part of our church. Let me call the Lutherans. And the Lutherans are like, we don't do that. Let me call the Pentecostals. And they were like, no, they're not. Pentecostal and let me call the whatever right so I went down the list of five or six different denominations and nobody would help them until I came to the Catholics right Right. I called the Catholics and this was in Kingwood Texas and I spoke to a certain father 
And I asked him and I told him the situation. And within about 30 seconds, he's like, when can you pick me up and when can you take me to the house? I just am curious, uh, why was Catholic not your first go-to? Because of their particular denomination. I thought it was, you know, so many steps you had to go through to get like a Catholic priest to come. To get a Catholic priest to come to your house doesn't take any steps. To I get mean, a, far as like to perform an exorcism or something. So it's, for sure, right? And that that has to be granted yeah, um, permission. Right. Yeah. They did not perform an exorcism. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I don't. I mean, stop you. So him actually just coming to the house or blessing that's different from an exorcism. Yes, sir. Okay. So they don't have to get permission from high up to do that. No, that's correct. Okay. Okay. And so, um, the the father, I drove him out to the house, and he kind of did a. It's very ceremonial. You know, with the blessed salt and the water and he's in full priest uniform and he's corner going corner to corner with holy water and praying and just kind of doing the whole thing. Um, and whatever it was after, two, I mean, he had to do it two or three times, like mm -hmm. over the course of a couple of weeks, whatever it was, it worked. Hmm. Now, again, whether it's force of suggestion, right? Like I'm going to sleep better tonight because I know a priest has been here. Mm -hmm. or whether it's something spiritual. Did the priest really feel when he got there that there was something there, or did he get there and just say, well, these people know I'm here. I'm just going to go along with the program and just make them feel good. So that that's good a good question. question. Uh, the priest actually knew that stuff was going on because that's where I come in. Mm -hmm. I walked in and I handed, at the time, it was a DVD to the priest, and I said, you need to watch that, and you need to listen to what I recorded. And... Um, so in about 10 minutes, he knew that there was some really odd stuff going on that he couldn't explain. Mm -hmm. And so that's all he needed to know. Um, I think when he was there, did we experience anything? I mean, on my recorder, we got some growls, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of things, but nothing major. Um, but again, I mean, that's just kind of those things. So to answer your question, when I'm dealing with something that's inhuman or I think it's inhuman, I tend to reach out to the Catholics now. Um, why didn't I reach out to the Catholics from the very beginning is because out of respect for the denomination that that family belonged to, mm -hmm. you know, um, I knew the Catholics would want to play ball, but I didn't know that they would play ball with someone who wasn't Catholic. Right. Right. And so that was kind of my last frustrated choice. But now, at this point, I have a decent relationship with the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, I actually um, am a member of the Order of the Exorcists. You know, Whoa. for it's, a, it's kind of a subdenomination of the Catholic Church. And what they do is they will contact me to go out and get proof that an exorcism may be needed. Okay. Right? Because a lot of people claim to have demons. There's not enough priests to go around and check the house out. Right, right. So that's where I show up and I will go and set up recording equipment and go and try to document certain aspects of what is considered to be demonic activity. And there's certain telltale signs like someone will say that they think there's a demon. I will ask a series of questions and they're all the same. I will ask you, tell me about the flies. And if you can't tell me about the flies, then flies tend to happen when demonic activity is present. 
So if there's uh, just flies manifesting out of midair or in thin air or around the window or something you can't explain, mm -hmm. flies tend to be part of demonic activity. Um, the smell of sulfur, rotten eggs. Are there smells of sulfur in your house? Rotten eggs. Specifically, that's what I'm looking for. Not trash, not, no, no, rotten eggs. Again, that's telltale signs of the demonic, right? Tell me about the number three and the, re the relevance of the number three, meaning do you get activity in threes, three knocks on the wall? Do you get woken up at 3 a.m.? Okay. Three scratches, physical at attacks on you. Yeah, right? you. People will say, well, I get scratched. And I'll say, well, are there three scratches? The number three is very significant in the world of the demonic because it is thought to be um, mocking of the Holy Trinity. Okay. Right? And so 3 a.m. is the anti-hour because Christ died at 3 p.m. Okay. Right? And so that's why activity tends to happen demonically. At, it's, it's called the witching hour. Yeah. Right. Right? right? So if you see a ghost hunter or someone, an investigator, they're going to want to be there at 3 a.m. Because mm -hmm. in theory, that's when the activity... If it's negative or demonic, that's when the activity would pick up the most. Um, so I look for that, right? Tell me about the threes. Have you been physically attacked? Have you been scratched? Um, people who think that there's a demon or something messing with them, <clears throat> I usually tell them, you will know, right? A demon's not there to be your friend. Do you ever ask them possibly uh, of a name. Have they heard a name of a demon? Uh, is a name relevant to that demon that they are feeling that's in their house or in their dwellings around them? So the theory is if you're able to ascertain the name of the demon, then you have power over oh, the demon, yeah. right? And able to exercise the demon in the name of Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. Um, I personally don't mess with that necessarily. Um, Hold on, you don't mess with what? I don't mess with trying to ascertain and find the name of a okay, demon so yeah. I can exercise the demon. Yeah, because if you did, I was going to actually ask you not to say it. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, please I mean, don't, sir. That doesn't mean I don't know the names. Okay, just don't right? say it. Yeah. Um, I study demonology and I have a pretty good knowledge of the history of demons and the hierarchy of demons and so forth. Um or some of the recording equipment that I use will actually capture names of, uh, of demons. Um, if you go to my website, I have a video of me actually asking, what's your name? And you will hear plain as day, the response say Lucifer. Wow. Right. That's, that's on my website. And so, wow. and it's, it was me and, and, and Joe, shout out to Joe, who's one of my partners. Um, he's been with me for about 10 years. Joe and I were at, my house and I had a haunted object that was sealed. What object is this? Right. And uh, I had a haunted object that was sealed and I opened it. What, what, what type of object? What kind of object? <laughs> oh Lord. Um, man, rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. So for it. I collect different haunted objects and there's objects that have actually been mailed to me randomly from around the world. Hmm. Um, also, when I go and deal with cases, uh, people 
are scared of the doll in the corner or the old trinket box that was handed down from the grandpa or the dresser, you know, that belonged to my dead mother or whatever, right? And they don't know what to do with it. So at this point, you know, I'm, I know how to protect my house. I know how to protect people in my house, protect myself. And so I have no problems if I have the space of giving some of these things a home, at least temporarily. Um, my house is a very safe place. If you guys ever come to my home, you wouldn't even know that I've got anything of the sort there because I keep it all in a separate room, just kind of under lock and key. It's like a little, it's my office, but that's where I keep my stuff. Uh, okay. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I actually did. But you said safe, your home is safe, but is it scary? Now, you no. told us off camera that it was a difference between being safe and not being scared. Right. Uh, my home is not scary. Okay. No. Okay. Um, again, because I manage the energy. So, so, so these uh, objects that you obtain, yes. um, I know they carry a lot of energy. Yes, sir. And so you're able to um, keep that energy in that one room. How are you able to contain all these different energies from these different realms or whatever you might call them of ghosts, or spirits, whatever, demonic, whatever it may be. How are you able to contain them in your one room in your house to where the rest of your house is not affected? So that's a great question. Two thoughts to that. One, I run the house, not them. Right. And so it's my rules, my parameters, my expectations, my domain, my energy is stronger than theirs. So it's done my way. Secondly, the rooms are blessed, sealed, you know, blessed salt, the whole nine yards. They're cleansed. They're smudged. Um, I smudge probably once a week. And smudging is an old uh, Native American ceremony where you ask negative energy or you force negative energy out. bringing. Is only that where you use sage? Yes, that's correct. That's okay. where you use sage, and so we talked it, about that on the podcast. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a um, Native American ceremony using burning sage usually, and it's praying, you know, kind of the negative energy out and white light and positive energy in. My house is very balanced, right? And, and it's done that way on purpose because I do have some of these items, right? And anything that is considered to be bad or negative is actually physically sealed in these items that I collect. So I have items that I collect that are boxes that are never to be opened. Okay, so have you ever slipped up and left one out and like had an, a bad experience with one of those items in your house? Not once. Not once? In 15 years in my oh, home. Oh, wow. Okay. My home is a very safe place. Okay. Um, I have probably 40 or 50 haunted objects sitting in my home right now. Okay, um, let me ask you this. How do you confirm that they're haunted? Well... Supposedly haunted. Okay. Right? Um, how do you confirm? You can actually do an investigation on an object. Okay. So what can be haunted? I believe anything. A ring. Say what? People, houses, people, uh, furniture. So there's four things that can be haunted, right? Yeah. There's a home, just like you see on TV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's going to be the land, that okay. Native American land where, or a Civil War site kind of thing where pe blood has been shed people live people die um a an object can be haunted 
uh, an heirloom passed down from generation to generation that was that the grandmother was really attached to, right? That may have some energy attached to it. And then, of course, there's people. So we was actually talking about that on the last show, and we were saying, like, uh, a couple of us thought that, is that, like, when a when an item is per se haunted, is that actually, like, energy that's just there with it? You know, like, uh, almost like a tape recorder records something. All right, so let's go back to Brandy's question, and it'll answer your question here in a second. Okay. The original question about the spirits, right? Of course, we talked about the inhuman. Mm-hmm. And usually what I do is I, that I turn to a priest. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk about the human. Okay. You then have to ask, if we believe it's a human spirit, you ask, is it an intelligent spirit or is it a residual spirit? Okay. 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 Residual spirit is going to be like a tape player, a tape recorder, yeah, mm-hmm. like, like an imprint in time. Right. So let's say the door to this room right here opens and closes every morning at 2.45 a.m. That would be a residual. Meaning it, it, it'll do it if someone's here or someone's or not. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? That tape player keeps playing in time right over and over again. So that kind of goes along with the last gentleman we had on the show last week, Larry, yeah. Yeah. Um, what he had experienced. Yeah. Sure. And so right. what, what did Larry experience? The, a little girl at the... Um, Holocaust Museum? Yes. yes. She would repeatedly do the same thing. She would go in a room where the picture of her family was and where her dad had l- written a letter to them, and she would stand and stare at it. And that would happen if someone was there or someone was not there. Yes. And that is residual energy. Um, that kind of energy does not interact with people. Well, he, he also said that the, they told him never to make eye contact with the little girl. And he said the little girl was about to look at him and he he turned around and ran off. So maybe there is some intelligence there. Who knows, right? Um, right. So if it's residual, that kind of haunting, yes, we can make the, we can kind of make it move on. But I often ask, like truly, is it hurting you? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you're terrified of what? I mean, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, you might not be afraid. It might be hurting them. I don't want, not physically, but mentally, you know, like they might be fucking terrified. Well, that's fair, but I, I, no, it could be right. But I, I, I come in and I really just kind of rationalize the irrational for them. But shouldn't yeah, but see, everybody can't do that. Shouldn't you want to like help if it is a residual or what have you or any any human type form of spirit? Wouldn't you want to help it move on? Move on. Everybody's got a different answer for that. Okay. You would not though. Oh no, it depends. Okay. I have no problems moving on a spirit, right? But that's not my choice to make. If it's your home, that might be your grandmother. Mm-hmm. That might be your mother. That might be someone that you love, right? I have, that is not my choice to make if you want that spirit to move on. So or it's not. up to the person. I, I leave it up to the person. And okay. if they want it, we will help them. Um, but, you know, I mean, it varies from person to person, right? And so, sure. Just, I wanted to ask a question. Um, I've heard of uh, certain spirits that um, family members and things like that that have passed on that usually hang around you are they're constantly visiting you and hanging around you possibly as protection 
and they protect you from certain things. Like uh, I feel like because uh, once recently, um, me and Diaz and um, Trent and all of us, we were doing something, and I was drinking, and I was you know had a few drinks, and I drove home. And when I drove home, I got to the light where I usually stop at. And at this certain point of this light, I I always know that it's never quick to go through this light quickly. Because when you go through this light quickly, there have been many, 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 many wrecks. And I sat there when the light changed. And it changed. And for some reason, something was saying, just wait. Just wait. And like I waited for like five seconds. I think I even looked at my phone to just to look. And the light had changed. And before I got ready to push my foot on the gas, a car went going by in front of me like 80 miles an hour. Wow. And if I had went as soon as that light had changed, I would not be here right now to speak to you. Wow. And, and that's where the intelligence side comes in. Right. Guardian angels, people may call them, but also spirits that want to communicate with you or try to communicate with you. And that's what we deal with the most. Um, now, sometimes those spirits can be nasty. Sometimes those spirits do not want you to be happy. And there's a million reasons why. Uh, it could be something as simple as you buy this house and you're going to remodel it. Yeah. You're disturbing what you're they disturbing knew. what yeah. they've spent their life doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're pissed. And they're yeah. going to mess with you, right? Um, it could be something as pure and beautiful as a guardian angel, right? Whispering into your ear, no, don't. I'm watching you. I'm, I'm protecting you. Um, so when we ascertain something is intelligent, now we start getting into the real details as to, okay, what is it? Why is it? What's the purpose? Is there a message? And ultimately, what do we do, right? Mm -hmm. Um we have very sophisticated equipment and we're able to actually record, actually record um, audio responses that you can't hear with the human ear. So if you go an investigation with me, they're called uh, EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. I have these sophisticated recorders that we will, I will ask questions or you will ask questions and we'll sit in complete silence for 10 seconds nobody's even breathing basically but yet when we go back and play it you will hear me ask that question and then you'll hear a woman maybe respond in a full sentence right to that question um you talked about protecting it reminds me of a case that i went on recently um up in in north houston so a member of my team uh rachel uh shout out to you rachel i love you baby um, Rachel and I went up to, to North Houston and we investigated this case where this gentleman called and said something is attacking him. That was the information we were dealt. So Rachel and I went up to go and, and investigate. And, um, when we got the whole story, come to find out this gentleman used to be a neighbor the, the woman who lives in that house was married and her husband died. Mm -hmm. So she was a widow. And she had a stroke and a heart attack. Oh, wow. Older woman. So this cat moves in. 
I don't know what the agreement was. Whatever. Whoa. So he moves in with his neighbor, who's now a widow. Mm-hmm. He was single. I don't know if there was romantic interest. I have no idea. He was very mad and angry at whatever was in that house that he claimed kept attacking him. <clears throat> and we walked in. And I immediately looked at Rachel and I said, the problem is him, hmm. right? And she goes, well, what do you, and this is that weird third eye, as it's called, right? Being able to kind of see things that most people can't. And I, I have that gift and there's a gift I want to talk about with you too. <laughs> um, so I looked at Rachel and I said, the problem is him. He is physically abusing her. Physically. Right? And the spirit that is attacking him is the spirit of the deceased husband protecting his wife. Wow. Shit. And I have the audio to prove it. On my website, you will find an audio sample. And the guy, we'll call him Tom, the gentleman who claimed to be getting attacked. attacked. Mm -hmm. And I ask a question, and it's Rachel and I, and another investigator, but Rachel and I are in a room and I say, why are you attacking Tom? That was my question mm-hmm. to this spirit. The response was, Tom is the one. No, why are, you, why are you hurting Tom? I'm sorry, that's the question. And the response was, you hear a, male, a man's voice saying, Tom is the one who hurts. Right. Wow. So he was Captain Sabo from right. the Right. Tom is the one right. who hurts. Basically. <laughs> and you his wife. Wow. But, you know, that's one of those things, like, it validated what I thought all along. Yeah. And so what do you do in that case, right? So he wanted me to make the spirit move on. Wow. So did you speak with her? No, no. I didn't speak with her because she's, she just, she, her mental capacity wasn't there anymore there because she was old and she had had a heart attack and a stroke and she was very she would she could speak but she was very kind of slow and slurred speech and she just kind of drank the kool-aid that homeboy was giving her right right um because he would bathe her he would do all kinds of stuff and she had bruises like fingerprint bruises and stuff on her arms and he would claim it was the ghosts Wow. Yes. Did you call the police? So here's the thing, right? And so he wanted me first, again, to sleep better at night. He wanted me to make the spirit move on. I let him believe that I let they made the spirit move on, but I did not. Oh, man. I did not move that spirit on. So you let him stay to her? Yes, because it was protecting her. Wow. Right? And so in good faith, I could not ask that spirit to move on yet. Okay, let- so wow, is boy. it simple as just asking it to move on or? That's part of it. Um, you know, it's coming into a scenario or a situation, right? And kind of taking control of the environment. And yeah, you ask it, you tell it it's okay to move on. You know, what you're trying to protect is safe. You know, your your purpose here is done. We see you, we hear you, we love you, we feel you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cleansing and some ceremonial stuff that goes along with it. Um, he asked me to do that. Made him think I did, um, but I did not because it was protecting her. And what we ended up doing was calling social services. Right. Okay, good. Right, good. Um, anonymously. Right, we call social services because, again, I don't, yeah, I mean, so we get, 
that's just an instance of maybe the guardian angel protecting you. Was that adult protective services you called? Say what? Adult protective service that you called? Yeah, we called adult protective services. I don't know the specific no. uh, well, in, the, uh, entity that we called. Well, let me ask you this. So, so when you were saying that Trent had asked you a question, you, you did answer it. So that was another case, another case of um, a message being received. Right. So when you said they could move on, every uh, the woman is okay, everything is okay. That's a message that they were trying to get off to the people in the house. Right. So whatever was there was protecting that woman, mm -hmm. you know, and we believe it was her husband's. Mm -hmm. um, and but it's one of those things like I walked in and within five seconds, I knew the scenario. Right. I immediately knew that there wasn't anything bad there attacking. I'm, it, it, I literally told Rachel, I said, he's attacking her. He's abusing her and the spirit is protecting her. That's what's going on here. And so, I mean, I don't know, right? Like, again, all we could do would be to um, try to provide the best resources possible for people to be safe. Um, okay. Well, hold on. I don't hate to stop this. We're going we're gonna to pick up because I know we have, we have tons more questions. Oh, yeah. We have, more, have more questions. Way more. All right, all right, right now we got to uh, take a break and uh, pay some bills. Let's do it. Let's all pay right. some bills. Man, hold up. I'm coming down crunk. Say, man. Yo, what's up? Man, I'm trying to get my rap business popping, man. I need to get the studio cracking, get the MPC 5000s and things, man. Okay. But the thing is, I don't know nobody to do taxes, man. Who you use, bro? Oh, man, I use just-in-time tax service. Man, I ain't gonna lie, man. I might owe the IRS a little something, something but... I promise I'll pay them back, but I'm just not ready to do that now, man. Well, look, that's okay, man. Trust me. They'll help you, man. The motto is actually educating their clients is a must. For sure? Yeah, man. Well, uh, what about they prepare fees, man? The players scared of that, bro. They are super, super low, man. Well, why? How do I get in contact with this player place that you're talking about, man? Well, they have two phone numbers, actually. You can What's call that? 832-494. 4080 or 832 767 It's going down. Yeah, right. And you got to ask for Crystal Terry at Just In Time Tax Services. What's that again, bro? Crystal Terry at Just In Time Tax Services. That's man. what I'm talking about. Screw tape, tap, tap, baby. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's Brandy. We're turning back with Urban Paranormal. Hey. JH. All right, so we've been discussing multiple things, okay? Uh, right here with our man Ramon from GhostHouston.com, baby. Dot com, baby. Indeed. So before we start into the next part, I want to let everybody know right now, um, please, if you want your business aired during our break, as you may have seen, just let us know, man, okay? You can hit us at dsbmedia1 at gmail.com or dsb underscore media on Instagram. And if you watch this and you really, really um, have some questions that we might didn't cover, you know what I'm saying, for Ramon here, please let us know what you think about this. Send some questions and I promise you we will answer them. Okay? So let's go into the stuff, right? Let's get this going. 
All right. Um, experience. I'm, I'm just going to open that up real, real quick. Excuse me. I'm going to cut you off. You're doing the mic thing I'm again. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. So we'll make it really short, really quick. Just experience. Because right now, you know, there are people out there, some people who will watch just to say, hey, you're lying or you're not who you say you are or whatever. Can you give us a bit about your background as far as experience? Just real quick. Uh, experience in the paranormal or just in general? No, experience in the paranormal. Sure. So 15 years, about 275 cases, um, almost 300 cases probably over the course of 15 years. Uh, do about 15 to 20 cases a year. Um, have worked in a lot in Louisiana, in Texas, in um, a couple times in Oklahoma, in Ohio, Kentucky. I worked in Brazil. I worked in Scotland. I worked in Canada and a little bit of research also in Japan. Uh, this is something, this is not a hobby, okay. right? This is a calling. My purpose in life, among other things, one of them is to help as many people with their paranormal problems as possible. And that's why I do not charge one penny uh, for our services. I never have in 15 years, and I never will. I do not take donations. I do not take gifts. Um, if I, haunted objects. Well, objects. it's not even a gift. It's but a it's relief, like right? But yeah, really I mean, if you want to you want to talk about it as being a gift, sure. <laughs> right. um, so I don't accept anything. And that's by design. Because I think if the moment you start accepting money, the purity of the experience and the situation gets thrown out the window. If you want proof that you're not crazy and there's real ghosts in your house, if you pay me enough money, I will find proof that there's a ghost in your house. Right. I understand. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not, yeah, we don't play that. Okay. A quick question. Sure. Uh, I heard you said Japan. Well, um, that's real weird because I know of a place in Japan called... The suicide forest. Correct. Is is that oh, yeah. not is that where you went to, or just a house in Japan? So in Japan, it was actually um, I did not go to the suicide forest. I knew of the suicide forest. I wanted to investigate the suicide forest, but I was in the military at the time, and I just didn't have enough leave and time. I couldn't make it work. So it was actual spirits in someone's house that I was able to. And again, I wasn't really into the paranormal at that point, but I was curious. Right. And so a neighbor of a friend was having some very strange things happen in their house. So we did a little bit of research there. But I was more on the outside looking in, mm -hmm. not the leading the investigation. So, so was that your first taste of paranormal investigating? If you want to call it that, I mean, it was, was not my style. It was very touchy-feely. Which I'm okay. And what I mean by that is someone walk into a room and say, oh, there's eight spirits here and this is what they're saying and they're talking to me. And I don't discount that, but that's not my style. Okay. For me, if there is something here, I want proof. Physical evidence. Yes. I want physical audio. I want visual or I want photographic um, or also experiences, right? Um if you investigate with me, you're going to have experiences. That's part of the allure. Well, okay. I want to touch that. 
something real quick. Sure. Earlier, uh, earlier in the show, Trent had asked you a particular question, um, and I, you, you said you said sure, but um, can you explain to everyone why is it why is it not important to? I mean, well, it's not it's important not to look a ghost in the eye if you see a ghost. So there's some theories behind that. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. Okay. Um, so here's the theory, and this is, I used to teach classes in the paranormal. I used to run a paranormal university here, mm -hmm. and we used to have just dozens and dozens and dozens of people every week, you know, um, coming and learning and experiencing from us, and it was great. Here's how I would teach others, and this is what I'll tell the listeners. Um, do not think you can choose the paranormal for the paranormal. If it finds you worthy, it's going to choose you, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people try to force a square peg into a round hole. They see it on TV and they want to be an investigator and I'm going to go out and force it to happen. And I'm going to go and, and have the experiences and I'm going to go do all this and do all that. And honestly, that's not how it works, man. Um, the experiences that you have, and I think the experiences, if you're chosen, you will know. And so to kind of touch on your question, it doesn't matter if you look a ghost in the eye or not. The spirits will know if you're a beacon of light in the world of darkness or not. So this is how, and I think I told you this on the phone, this is how I explain it to others. Imagine waking up tomorrow and you are in a foreign country you have no idea where you are. You're on the streets. You do not speak the language. They do not speak English. You're begging for food, a place to sleep, a place to stay, and no one is even paying attention to you. Imagine living that life for weeks, months, years. You know, and again, no one even looks you in the eye. Now imagine one day you're you know, beat up, tired, hungry, sad, whatever, and you're on the street like you like you are every week. And imagine suddenly you see someone walking down the street and they're speaking English and they look you in the eyes. How are you going to react? Probably follow that person home. Absolutely. You're gonna be you you are gonna be happy as hell. You're gonna do everything you can to get their attention. Correct. Mm -hmm. Which is not unlike what happens in people's homes right? When they start experiencing paranormal activity. So not everyone has that gift. Not everyone has that is the light in the world of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that if you are chosen, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you look a ghost in the eye or not, they're going to find you. Right. Right. They're going to find you because you are the candlelight in the world of darkness and they're going like a fly to a light bulb. They're going to be attracted to that light. Well, let me ask you this. Outside, um, Ego had made a mention based off of what you just said right now. Mm -hmm. People are afraid. Sure. Okay. Of particular haunted items and, and stuff like that. Isn't it kind of like the same? If, if there's a haunted item and you brought a haunted item in this house, over in, in this place, sure. okay? Well, we could be afraid that it would attach itself to us and go home. Okay. I mean, so that's that's a, a real thing. Are you saying that is a real thing? Me, if I bring an item here, well, if, will it attach itself to you and go home, or just it, in general? In general, of course, that's possible. In general, I mean, if if you walk into a museum, something can attach itself to you. I told you, Brandy. Right? 
You walk into the Holocaust Museum, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of negative pain and energy attached to the every single item in that museum. Mm-hmm. You walk into an antique store, mm-hmm. something could attach itself to you, right? Um, if I were to bring something here, I, I would be very careful as to what I bring in here. Going back to what you were saying about the succubus and the incubus, this goes along with it. Um, there was a man... And he bought a leather jacket, like a motorcycle jacket. And he bought the jacket and he had it at his home, in his closet. But what he found was that the jacket kept finding itself in his bed. And he would have these nightmares and stuff like that. But the jacket just kept finding itself over and over again. And he was trying to figure out how did the jacket find itself in his bed. He said once he got rid of the jacket, the bad dreams or bad eerie feeling and also the jacket moving, it was no longer because he got rid of it. Do you do you believe in stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. And in that case, that's not an, un- an incubus or a succubus. That's a case of a bad spirit attached to an item. Um. Anything demonic, its sole purpose is to terrorize your life from the inside out. Okay. I got a question for you. It's about my personal experience. Okay. So me and my my baby mother, uh, my ex, my ex-girlfriend or whatever, we moved into a new house. And uh, not long, maybe a couple of months after we moved in the house, me and her were laying in bed watching TV. And uh, it was before flat screen TV, so it was like the big back, you know, mm-hmm. big back TV. Sure. We land in bed, and all of a sudden, we see this, like, ball of smoke come out of the screen of the TV, like a tight, compact ball of smoke with a light inside, almost mm-hmm. like vapor. Mm-hmm. And it came maybe four inches out of the TV, and my girl said, oh, you see that? And as soon as she said it, it sucked back in the TV. And I had already seen one of those before. So I didn't want to scare her. I pretended that I didn't see it. I just said, oh, girl, what you talking about? I I didn't see nothing. But I I actually did see it. And shortly after that, we started fighting over little bitty crazy shit, arguing over nothing, and we ended up breaking up. Okay. And I believe that that was some type of bad energy, and it actually broke me and my my girl up. Oh, there's no doubt that that can happen. It happens a lot. Um, negative energy feeds on negative energy. And so once that can of worm worms is open, mm-hmm. you know, it very well could be a downward spiral. And a lot of times it's simply removing yourself from the house okay. and pushing a reset. Yeah. Um, so for sure, man, that can, that can, that can happen. You know, um, I don't doubt that at all. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And I think that was an orb. That's well, when I seen it, on, I started watching like paranormal shows and I was like, Oh shit, that's what I seen. Yeah, orbs is a very, that's a very controversial topic in the world of the paranormal. Okay, why is um, that? People will take flash photography. Yeah, yeah. And with flash photography, they'll get a dust particle, and yeah. it's a perfect round circle. Yeah. And they will call it an orb. And half of your listeners are probably going to crap all over me for saying this, but generally speaking, we do not believe in orbs that you wow. see in flash fo- that you see in flash photography. Okay, well, I've, right. I've seen this with my eyes. Exactly. So uh, we do believe in orbs that you see with the naked eye. Yeah. Basically. 
And in our mind, a an orb is going to be a self-illuminating ball of light that, could, exactly that is visible with the naked eye. That's exactly what it was. Um, we have seen those a hundred times. Everyone on my team has witnessed balls of light that manifest out of nowhere, and they, we can see them in the darkness with our naked eye. They're almost like a lightning bug, right? Like right. that's what it looks like right, almost. Right. And you'll see it just zoom across the room, and or zoom towards you, or whatever the case may be. Um, not to say, not to dismiss everything that's taken in photography, but if someone wants to capture an orb, I always challenge them, do it without a flash, right? Yeah. Do it without a flash. So we, there's, there's certain things that we believe in and don't believe in just from experience. Orbs is one of them. Another one is we don't investigate cemeteries. And here's the logic. No one has ever lived or died in a cemetery. Okay. I had One the craziest, please. Craziest experience in a cemetery. So I had two friends that got killed on the same day. Okay. Two, two of my brothers that I grew up with. T Bone, Top Bow Wow. Yeah. Much respect. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. So uh, after they died, you know, we used to go hang out in the graveyard, pour out a little liquor on their grave drink and you know just we actually visiting spending time with our homeboys it would be maybe 10 to 12 of us all out there after midnight drinking and in the smoking in the graveyard so one night we went out there and this is right here uh what's that called by tom bass i, I can never think of the name of it right here yeah well anyway so we there one night after midnight and we had been there maybe an hour then all of a sudden we hear like fucking horses like a stampede, soldiers, uh, bugles, everything like a fucking army was coming after us. Like it was like right, right behind us. And we all fucking broke out to our cars and ran. We all heard it and we never been back there since. So that would be, if I got presented with that information, I would approach it as a residual haunt. Okay. Okay. Right? That's energy that's there because of a, an imprint in time. Yeah, because it sounded like a fucking Civil right. War and, army. And, absolutely. So that's yeah. been that's been happening there for 100 years. Okay. You, you know? just happened to catch the night. You just happened to catch it on that night at that particular time. So it could have been not the, not the, the bodies that's there. It could have just been the land. The land, the land itself. Okay. Yeah. Right. And people who have experiences in cemeteries, I challenge that it very well could be whatever is happening is attached to you. Like it would happen to you somewhere else besides the cemetery as well. Um, Again, I don't dismiss it 100%, but just in the world of just trying to be logical, you know, we investigate places where people have lived and called a home for a long, long time or where someone has had a traumatic death. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of experiences that I've had and I've experienced, even former members of my team. Kevin, if you're listening, shout out. This is about you. We were up in Mansfield, Ohio, doing an investigation of the Bisman Building in Mansfield, Ohio, this beautiful, I don't know, six or seven story building um, from the late 1800s, early 1900s. We had the building all to ourselves. They had an elevator chute that kind of went up and down each of the floors. There was a young girl that ultimately ended up getting murdered there and she was put in a pickling jar mm. and held and hidden for weeks and weeks and weeks oh in kind God. of a vacuum sealed pickle jar in the basement. Uh, her name was Ruthie. And we were investigating this and we're down in the basement and 
And one of my investigators at the time named Kevin started becoming real emotional. Oh, wow. Tearing up and getting a little angrier and a little angrier and a little angrier and to the point where he kind of puts his equipment down and starts to want to fight with whatever's there. Like he's crying and he's mad at, at, at the person who killed Ruthie. The spirit, that person's spirit was not reportedly there. Ruthie's spirit is there and we're trying to communicate with Ruthie, the little girl. But he's so angry and he's channeled so much energy that it's not him. That is not the cat that I knew, right? And it literally got to a point where I looked him in the eyes because he's, I'm trying to get his attention and I have a picture of him that I'll share with you because I took a photo of him at his angriest moment and he is just huffing and puffing and he's looking at me like he's about to bow up again, you know, to me. And I swear to God, I looked him in the eyes and I said, Kevin, I will whip your ass. Do not even think about bowing up to me. Um, I said, you need to get your ass out of here and take a walk right now. I don't want to hear it. And I said, if I got to drag you out of here, I will. I said, but I'm not playing. And I did that on purpose and I was pretty aggressive and mean towards him right there because at the end of the day, he needed that to disconnect himself from the energy of that place. He was not capable of doing what you said and standing up for himself. So I removed him from the situation. And I told him, go take a walk. Get the hell out of here. I don't want to see your face, man, until you sort your shit out. Right? And so he did. He, he, I mean, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're in a strange little town. He's walking around the block. You know, I'm surprised he didn't get stopped by the cops. Um, but he came back about 30 minutes later. And I told him, I said, you are not going back in that building. That goes back to what I was saying because I wasn't in any bad mood when I started off right. going into the den and sitting down looking at TV. Right. I, I had nothing to be sad about. It was nothing going on in my life that was traumatic or anything. And it just I just, just overwhelmingly became emotional. It was like it was like someone was there making me emotional. And those are things I think sometimes plays with people's minds and they don't really get what's going on, why they have these certain feelings, why, like you said, why they have the anger feelings, or why I'm having these sad emotional feelings to the point where I feel like life is just so sad at that moment. No, for sure. And and here was the interesting part. Our hotel was like 45 minutes away from this little place. And at the end of the night, Kevin was still angry. Wow. Right? Dang. And so... It got to a point, like, I have to drive this cat back to the hotel. And I legitimately had a fear that he was going to grab my steering wheel, right, on the drive home at 4 o'clock in the morning to try to cause a wreck. Like, that was a legitimate fear I had. So I had to position him in the back seat with a seatbelt on, right, opposite me as the driver. Right. And I put, and we were with a, a, another a former investigator of mine named Susan. It was three of us. And I had to put Susan in the passenger seat and I put Kevin behind Susan and literally just to keep an eye on Kevin. Right? That's crazy. It's crazy, man. Yeah. For sometimes, 45 minutes, though, sometimes 
though you can have stuff bottled up from the past that can make you react like that too. So no, for sure, man. So yeah, it could be bottled. Something happening in your childhood. I think something like that maybe can be paranormal. Or it could be right. something that happened to you in the past. You just still carrying on with you and haven't dealt with it yet. Yeah, for sure. That's a possibility. And something triggered it. Yeah, that case. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me let me ask you this, Ramon. Yeah. Uh, percentage wise, the cases that you go, what percentage is you consider BS, and what do you consider real? Percentage wise. Um, now, most cases, okay, BS, and they're lying. And to let me you? add. On, let me add on to it. Uh, okay. That's before you go out. Do you determine? Do you have to go out to determine if it's real or, or do you have like some kind of process where they call you and, okay, you got some kind of process where you figure out before you go? Sure. You said um, the abnormal, normal. and Yeah. So in the beginning, right, we just accepted every case. Okay. And we got pretty big there kind of locally for a while and um, people just wanted to be part of us. Right. Okay. So people would call us. You know, we've got, I don't even know now, 20, 30,000 followers from the Houston area on Facebook or something. Um, people would call us wanting us to come to their house because there's noises. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, a couple of times we've gone to places and it's been total BS. Wow. And we ask ourselves, like, what are you doing? This and that. Oh, can we have a T-shirt? <laughs> wow! Wow! So, so give me give me a percentage if you can. This right. may be a ballpark today. Yeah, just yeah. Right now, um, the case. I'm very selective as to who I see now. Okay. Because as I get older, um, my time is very precious to me, and I can't be all exactly. things. To, I can't be all things to all people. Right. 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 In the beginning, I thought I could. Yeah. Um. So I have a pretty select process now. Um. There's two gates that have to be passed for me to go out on a case. One of them is there needs to be claims of paranormal activity. You hear that, that guys? Cla you listen? Yeah, there needs to be claims of paranormal activity, not abnormal or normal, but someone needs to talk to us about waking up with bruises and scratches or stuff flying across the room or the voices that they hear right. you know, from the closet or whatever it may be. Right. And also, there's an interview process as well mm -hmm. that my case manager uh, usually goes through and she will have a two to three hour interview with this person at least mm -hmm. and document kind of all of the claims of the paranormal activity. And then I ask a simple question. I ask my, uh, my case manager, um, I ask my case manager, Hey, do you believe that they believe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Sure. Do you think that night terrors has has anything or any connections to paranormal activity? Before I answer your question, let me answer his. Yeah, the percentage. The oh, percentage. Um, right now, I would say 80 to 90% of the cases I go on are, people are legitimately scared. Like, I believe that they believe. How many of those cases have actual paranormal activity? That, yeah, that's what I want to know. 20%. Okay. okay. Maybe, maybe 30. So, 3 out of 10 something like that, um, today. And I'm not trying to jump in front of Brandy's question, but I'm curious as to what... I jumped in front of yours. You're good. I'm curious as to what energy Brandy has around her. 
Can you can you please we keep tell coming? Us. Oh, no, we'll, we'll, well, let me answer her question about okay. night terrors. Or which okay. question would you like me to answer? You first, know what? Maybe? Go ahead with the night terror because it's going to play into what you probably tell me. Oh Lord, there we go. <laughs> <sighs> night terrors, controversial topic. Um, I do believe that spirits have the ability to influence what you dream. Okay. Um, I believe that negative energy, negative spirits or negative energy will breed negative thoughts. And do I have, do I believe that they can manipulate kind of what you think and what you feel emotionally? Absolutely. Especially if you're an empath. Let's talk about an empath. Yeah. Okay. What does that mean? That's me. Feel people's. I know. That's what I'm about to tell you. All right. Um, An empath is someone who can absorb people's emotions. Mm -hmm. Right. To the point where you're crying. Yeah. Right. I am such an empath. It's ridiculous. Me too. Right. I can walk in a room and tell, I can tell you when you're having a bad day. You know, I'm, there's certain people I'm connected to in this world that, like, uh, like, like Rachel, you hear me talk about Rachel. Um, Rachel and I are so connected as friends that I will text her and I'll like, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, just out of the blue. And she's like, how do you know? And I said, I've always known, you know, or whatever. She's having personal issues or personal problems or. Sounds creepy, man. It is. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary yeah. when you can sit and I can tell you a, a case in point. That's a beautiful gift to have. It's, yeah. it's a gift or a curse if you don't know how to use it. Case in point, three days ago, I sent Rachel some flowers through the mail, right? There's nothing wrong with her. No reason to send flowers. The day she received them was one of the worst days of her recent life. And the flowers showed up at the perfect time. Just be knowing sometimes. Right. Though. And just it's intuition. It's knowing, right? Yeah. right. Um, I knew that she needed flowers because she was going to have a bad day. Absolutely. And she and, and it came at the perfect opportune time. And so um an empath is someone who absorbs these feelings. It can absolutely ruin your day. Right? If a close friend or a loved one or someone that you care about is having a bad day, guess what? So are you. Um, by default. And it is something that it's a gift. You do not choose it. You cannot turn it off. So let's talk about you, Brandy. Let's okay. talk. Talk about me. Um, you have that gift. I sure do. And that's easy to see. And when I pulled up in the parking lot and I saw you, I looked at you and I said, yeah, she's gifted. Um, that's the gift that I've been given. Right. Is to be mm-hmm. able to look at someone and talk to someone and and know instantly whether or not they've been chosen. And so. You have an ability, quite frankly, you are the light in the world of darkness for spirits. OK. Right. Um, we tend to block it off. We tend to ignore it or we tend to blame it on the house settling or the there's a noise outside. It must be someone at the apartments. Right. <laughs> yeah. But in reality, it may not be. Okay. And the more you open your mind to it, the more that um, that energy will be able to communicate with you. Yeah, I don't know if I can handle it. And she literally is the light with all this darkness in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Indeed you are, ma'am. Indeed you are. So it's not something that you choose, Brandy. 
It's yeah. not something, and it's passed down usually in the female side of the family. Um, it's generational. Um, your daughter, or you know, and I, I bet you your grandmother. And I know you didn't. You said you weren't close to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it usually skips a generation. So if you say your mama had it, oh yeah, and if she very you, intuitive, like, then then your daughter will probably. That's why I ask you about your daughter. There's a lot going on about with your daughter probably that you aren't aware of. Well, I guess we need to have lots of talks. Well, and from an and, and it's a conversation that most twelve year olds. Did you say she's twelve? Mm-hmm. It's not something that most twelve year olds will be openly and willingly talk about until they're comfortable with you knowing that it's okay to talk about. So right. is that something she needs to be afraid of? No, not at all. Embrace it's, it. It's not something to be afraid of at all. It's a gift. However, if you do not manage it, it will manage you. Oh shit! You know, and what I mean by that? No, what I mean by that is. You're going to try to turn it off. Okay. Can't turn it off. Once it's turned on, though, you can't turn it off? It's already can? turned on with you. Oh, dang. All right. right. <laughs> um, just embrace it, love. Okay. Just embrace it and hug it and just say, hey, I'm here. Right? How can I help you? And it'll choose you. It'll t- you'll know when. And don't be scared of it. Nothing's going to... You're not attracting demons or... None of that stuff happens, right? You are a light in the world of darkness. Remember the example I gave of being in a foreign country and not speaking the language, Mm -hmm. right? Well, now you're speaking the language and walking down the street. Well, I've had experiences, but it was years ago. I haven't had anything recent. It's, I mean, my stepmom passed away of brain cancer in our childhood home and things happened, but I wasn't the only one that was seeing it or witnessing it. Now, I was the only one that I know of, because I didn't speak of it then, that physically seen her. Um, she wasn't a shadow. She was like, she was gray looking, but she was there in the doorway of my bedroom. It was dark in my room, but my door was open. There was a little bit of light coming down the hallway, and I told this on the last podcast, but um, I had um, her sister's daughter, so her niece, my cousin, in the bed with me, who was three. I was putting her to sleep, and um, it got cold, and I happened, something caught my eye, and I looked up, and she was standing in the doorway looking in at us, and I just literally, out-of-body experience, froze, terrified, um, and there shortly, I closed my eyes and opened my eyes to the sound of my dad coming down the hallway, and she was gone, and I quickly grabbed up my cousin and yelled at my dad, hey, we're coming to bed with you. Cause I was creeped out, but I didn't tell anybody what I had seen, but there were other things that took place in the house that everyone seen. Like the front door would open at random by itself. Um, she collected angels and music boxes that you had to wind up in the back and they would come on at random by themselves. Um, the toilet would flush down the hallway. So just random different things. Well, Hey, I tell you what, we're going to finish up. And when we come back, um, when we come back, actually, we're going to hear um, Ramon, uh, scariest moment. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this before we go on break. Um, and I can talk to you offline. As you learn to open your third eye, mm-hmm. you will learn to witness and you recognize when spirits are trying to communicate with you. Okay. Right. So and I actually have something we want to talk about when we get back to. I was actually on your site and I was uh, checking out what you said on one of your investigations. One of your uh, investigators were thrown six feet across the uh, sidewalk 
Yeah. And another was followed home by an entity. Yeah. When we get back, if we could talk a little bit about that. He uh, says yes with a big smile on his yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> For those of y'all that okay. can't see his so, face. Yes. We have to take a break. So understand, um, Brandy has the gift. She's an empath. I had no idea. Okay. Right. And objects can apparently attach themselves to you and come home. You can be thrown across the whole shabam. And um, our expert has dealt with all of these things. So we'll be back after we pay some bills. Y'all have a good one. Hey. What's up? It's your girl, Sabrina the Model. You can follow me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube at Sabrina the Model. Y'all go check out my video. Shout out. Hey. Shout out to my North Side Click. Shout out. Shout okay. out to okay. my South Side Click. Shout out to my West Side Click. Shout out to my East Side Click. Shout out to all my people making money. And we are back with Urban Paranormal with our special guest, Ramon from GhostHouston.com. And can we get back into the story that uh, we was in before the break, sir? What story was that again? Well, uh, it was about, uh, I was on your site and I was looking at uh, a story where one of your investigators were actually thrown six feet. And another one was actually followed home by an entity. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. Okay. Veronica was a client of mine. She is now actually one of my investigators. She's a client turned investigator. So shout out to Oni. Okay. Um, But it was her house. And this was one of the first times we arrived at her house. And I ran a meetup group, meetup.com. Just it was a, at the time, we weren't Ghost Houston. I had to change my name for legal reasons. We were a paranormal phenomenon society, PPS. And I had to change it to Ghost Houston for legal reasons. But um, at the time, we were PPS. And I opened it up to the general population. Like, I'm curious. I want to know more. How do I learn more about ghost hunting? And this is where I would come in and teach people. Right. Well, one of the perks of coming to my meetings would be I would let you go on an investigation. And I had one particular woman that came to this meeting. I don't remember her name. Uh, She was a huge skeptic. I don't believe it. It's not true but I'm curious as to hear what you have to say, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And I accept everybody with open arms. I mean, not skeptics alike. It doesn't matter. So the meetup was to have dinner and talk all things paranormal on a Friday night. They had no idea they were going on an investigation too. Wow. Right? So I coordinated with Veronica. Just so happened that we were going to go after dinner I was going to invite whoever came to join me right now on a paranormal investigation. I had all the equipment. All you need to do is show up. And so the skeptic decided to play along. And we went to Veronica's house, and she lives in, oh, Oni, you're going to kill me. League City? I don't remember where you live. Anyway, I think she lives in League City. Clear Lake. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Um <laughs> We went to her house. We did an investigation. I was introducing kind of the tools and the processes and how we do it. And nothing really happened. Okay? 
And so we were there for a few hours, probably. Mm-hmm. Nothing really major happened. And it was time to pack up and go. So we are packing up and we are leaving. And I remember walking out with the equipment and the people who came, there was probably three or four of us. The skeptic was one of them. And she had equipment or this or that or whatever. And I'm loading stuff into my truck. At the time, I drove a, uh, a pickup truck. So I'm loading stuff into the back of my truck and getting ready to say goodbye. And I hear a hoop and holler and yell. And I hear equipment crashing to the ground. And I turn around and this woman, the skeptic, is flat on her back on the concrete, you know, about five or six feet away from where the equipment's on the floor. And there was a witness that saw the whole thing happen. I did not. Mm-hmm. But they said, you know, she physically flew, right, from one side of the concrete to another. Now, wow. are there people that fake this kind of stuff? Absolutely. Right. Attention seekers, attention whores, I like to call them. Right. Um, why would someone fake throwing themselves against concrete? Right. I get when there's grass on either side. Okay. So I turn around. She's five or six feet away from the equipment and she's convulsing. Oh, right? wow. Holy shit. I run. I jump on her. Like on like straddle hug kind of thing. Like I get on her and I bless her with holy anointed oil. And I ask, you know, whatever's there to leave. Hmm. She comes to and she's crying. And I said, What happened? And she goes, Something punched me in the chest, is what she said. And I, and I asked a couple of the people who saw it, and they said she her feet lifted up off the ground and she flew backwards, you know, and landed head first or the back of her head first on the concrete. And, you know, I mean, how do you react to that? Right. Right? That happens to a, You're a skeptic. Of, I, I guarantee you, you're no longer a skeptic at that point, right? Right, right. Um, so... I tried to sit in the grass with her and rationalize it. I tried to explain it to her. I'm like, it happens, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to be tormented. You're not going to be possessed. You're not, it happens. And guess who it picked on? It picked on the biggest skeptic in the in the right. room. Right, like I'm real. Believe exactly, me. because if I can prove myself to you, I sure as shit can prove myself to anybody else in this room. Right. right. You know, so it made an example out of her. And because the whole time she was saying, it's not real. You're not real. It's not real. You're not real. Right. Uh, she did not say that after that incident. So I remember sitting in the grass with her and trying. she's kind of trying to collect herself. And it again, it violates everything that you know. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. You're a, a person of science or a person of faith or a combination thereof. You're not taught that something will lift you up off your feet and chunk you six feet on on concrete side on sidewalk. Well, I even think for people that do believe in that kind of stuff, you still just human nature try to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't rationalize some of the things that happen in the world of the paranormal. And so I remember I said, hey, you've been touched. That was the term I used. And I said, you have been touched. And that's not a bad thing. 
I said, but your life will never be the same again. And I said, call me. I'll come meet you. I'll talk with you. I'll counsel you. I'll coach you. I'll help you. I'll even guide you through your growth. Um, never heard from her again. <laughs> so so what about the one that the spirit followed home? Jack Broom. Oh, this is Jack. This is Jack. Okay. Mr. Broom, shout out to you, buddy. We'd like to see Jack one day. Oh, you will, man. Okay. Jackson, so here's where Jack is. Jack moved to Louisiana. Okay. Um, so he kind of holds things down over there. Um, we still get together for investigations and stuff, but he's the founder. He's, he started it with me, man. I mean, okay. I started it, but he was there since day one. He and I in a room together, that is fun. Because <laughs> oh, wow. Jack and I can tell you stories for days. Wow. Um, Jack Broom. It was, holy crap, it was Veronica's house. Same house. I think it was the same house. I could be wrong. I do believe it was her house. Though. Veronica's a trooper. <laughs> there's I'm a just yeah. Right. There, there's no a there's joke. a there's yeah. a picture on my website of uh, a a spirit taken in Veronica's house by her child. So if you look on the website, it looks like a black figure in a black and white photo. Mm -hmm. If you look under photos, um, that was taken in Veronica's house by her child. Anyway, um, Veronica is a trooper. So. Jack and I were investigating Veronica's house, and again, nothing happened until the very end. And Jack tells the story a lot better than I can. We were we had walked up and down. She lives in a two-story house. We walked up and down her house or those stairs a hundred times throughout the night. And at the very end, when we're putting up our equipment, set perfectly in the middle of the stairs, placed in the middle of the stairwell like the middle stair, the middle of the stair halfway up was a set of earrings, right? We walked, both he and I walked up and down the stairs with lights on, flashlights, whatever, a hundred times that night. There are no earrings there until the very end. And we were like, well, what moved to those earrings? And I may be confusing times, but I do believe shortly thereafter, Jack was home and the story that he tells is that the smell of death or rotting eggs mm -hmm. started emanating from certain parts of his kitchen. Holy wow. To the point where I do believe he pulled out the, the dishwasher or something like out of the cabinets mm -hmm. because you think there's a dead rat or a dead something behind it because that's how bad it smelled um but then the smell would just disappear wow and then it would come back again at a different part of the house or the room and then disappear so that's kind of a telltale sign right mm -hmm. it gets worse um mimicking is kind of another sign of some supernatural things are going on when i say mimicking it's like you hear a voice you recognize mm -hmm. call you out by name to come here. Not so let, going their way, but let's say, you know, your daughter, mm -hmm. and you think that your daughter, you think your daughter's home, or you think she's in one room. That happened to me. And you hear her voice. You hear her voice saying, "Mom." That, that happened to me too. Mom, yeah. come here, mom. Yeah. Right. And you don't think twice of it until you realize, wait, no one's in the house. Mm -hmm. 
or whatever. So that happened to Jack's son. His son, I believe, as the story goes, was upstairs. And his son heard Jack's voice trying to call him down, trying to call him downstairs. Wow. So he thought his father was calling his name, right? He, and he's like, what, dad, or whatever, right? And then, but then he looks out the window and realized that dad's not home. Hmm. Right? Oh, time no to one, go outside. No one is home. How old was his son at the time? I have no idea. I mean, probably well, late teens I, or teenagers. Okay. I have something I want to ask you. Maybe you can help me with something sure. I was... Uh, Do you want me to finish the Jack story? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so that happened, and then it got really worse. Jack had a mini stroke, for lack of a better term, like the whole side of his face yeah. just drooped. Like almost like Ball's palsy or Bell's palsy or whatever. Cerebral palsy. Something like that. Um, he got rushed to the emergency room. Doctors could not find what was wrong with him. How old is Jack? Jack, how old are you? 50, maybe? A little older than me. I'm 45. So he's in his, he's got to be close to 50, I would think. Um, so he's in the emergency room. I get a text or a call from his wife saying Jack got taken by ambulance. This is right after our investigation, right? He got taken by ambulance. And so I go to the hospital and visit him and, you know, they can't find what's wrong with him. But the priest would come and do daily prayers with people. And he said that every time the priest walked in, everything just lifted. Everything just went away. So what I get from that, there are dangers in what you do. Absolutely. You have to protect yourself. Um, To go, when we were young or when I, you know, 15 years ago, sure, we followed what they did on TV, which if you look on TV, some of those ghost hunting programs, they're very aggressive. Yeah. You know, and that's the stupidest thing to do because it's disrespectful. Yeah. You know, but we did it. I wow. did it. I was guilty of it. Yeah. Um, have I had things follow me home? I've had things follow me back to my hotel. Um, mm. Never to my personal home, but when I was doing a, an investigation in, we get to the scariest places, I was doing an investigation in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, oh man, it made me so angry. Um, I'm back in my hotel room by myself. I'm showering, getting ready for bed. And I see... I mean, I, I'm, there's a shower door that's, it's, um, you can't see through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can make out shapes maybe. Kind of frost like, Yeah, frosted. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and I see, it looks like a person walking right in front of my, wow. my frosted shower door. And again, you try to process it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Is it ma- is it room service? Is it maids? What, like five in the morning? Like, what's going on, right? Oh, did so, I really see that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you stick your head out, and you're looking, and it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I get back in the shower, and these deep red gashes just appeared on my chest and my stomach. Wow. Like something just wow. scratched me from top to bottom. Wow. And it hurt, and I got pictures of it, and, man, it absolutely just pissed me off. It got me so angry. I could not wait to get back to that location the next day and cuss out whatever was there and just bitch out whatever was there. But that's exactly what it wanted. 
Wow. It wanted to feed off my negativity. Negative energy. You know, negativity breeds negativity. And so, um, I mean, yeah, like, and I don't know where we're going with this question, but that was a place, you know, where um, just having the experience, man, and it just impacts your your kind of behavior. And we're talking about Jack. I'm, that's where we're yeah, going with that. Yeah. Right. Um, it was attaching itself. Attaching itself, right? right? So nothing has ever attached itself to me and followed me home. It has followed me back to my hotel room. Yeah. Um, I'm very protective of myself today. Um, you okay. Know, I, well, did those times that, that did follow you home, you neglected to protect yourself those that times? Follow, that followed me back to the hotel? Yeah. Yes. I okay. neglected to protect myself. Okay. Um, I protect myself now. Okay. Um, and protecting yourself is... So there's certain um, certain things you can wear, certain things you can do. Oh wow, I've never um, heard that. Like this bracelet here. Uh, again, shout out to you, Rachel. She gave me this. This is b- black tourmaline, and mm. it's to protect from negative energy, okay. right? Okay. But I also have blessed items from priests um, that I wear. Um, you can take any item to a Catholic church, and they will bless it for you. Oh wow! Right. Yeah. So if you get a crucifix or uh, something, a necklace, here, it doesn't matter. Right, it's blessed and protected in theory, you know, with the Holy Spirit. So, I wear blessed items in the event that something demonic might be there, messing yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's prayer, right? There's managing, you know. Again, there's energy work. There's all kinds of stuff you can do to to help protect yourself. Um, so, I'm very cautious now. I'm very respectful. Right. I will not, oh, unless. Unless they harm the elderly or they harm children, the defenseless or animals, mm-hmm. I will chew a spirit up and spit it out if it's going to mess with a kid. Okay, you know, or some somebody that's helpless that can't under defend or understand. I mean, um, you're going to scratch kids. Like there's kids I've seen that have like scratches on their back and their body. Mm-hmm. You know that? No, I'm not. Pl- I'm not going to be your friend. Okay, uh, now that we finished the Jack story, I, this is something I, I want to see if you could help me out with. Sure. Something that uh, I was kind of, I played with or whatever. I would have this reoccurring dream, and I wouldn't actually remember the dream, but I would be awakened by the smell of smoke, mm-hmm. like a house burning. And the and the smell was so intense that it would wake me up out of my sleep. That is very intriguing because I've woken up to the smell of smoke. Yeah, well. yeah. I mean, it happens several times where I wake up, not like a sulfur, but like actually burn a wood, like a house burning. Mm-hmm. And I would wake up in the middle of the night, like, "What the fuck is the house on fire?" And I run around and check everything. And it's, yeah, it's happened several times. Okay. So, have had you ever heard of anything like that? Sure. I, okay. Um, Spirits can impact your all your senses, right? Your okay. sight, your your touch, your your smell. Um, someone tells me that story, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably an indication that either something traumatic has happened at that location mm-hmm. before in that house or before that house was built, uh-huh. or something traumatic has happened to a. Sp- person that is now a spirit that is trying to communicate with you okay well it would have to be the latter because it actually happened in several several different houses okay so then you it's, know through it's, my life in different ages you know something traumatic has happened to an individual 
and that individual has decided or has realized that you can smell okay or you can hear or see okay the, you know that's all it is you're the, you're you're like i mentioned earlier you're that light bulb or that candle in the world of darkness okay so i also just listened to that um he said dream and it made me think of something um that you kind of touched on earlier and it takes me back to a moment in my life um so you said spirits can communicate with people through dreams as well. Sure. So when I was 16, my brother's best friend, we lived on a dead-end dirt road in the country, so you don't really have a lot to do but ride four-wheelers and things and, you know, play in the woods and just, you know, utilize Sounds what you sweet. have. Um, he ended up passing away riding on our three-wheeler um, in 2003. Um, and it was very traumatic for me and my brothers because we were there when it happened. And there was no adults there to like shield us and say, go, go this way while they tended to <coughs> the situation. Um, I had reoccurring dreams for while well, they weren't this, it wasn't the same dream, but I would have dreams where he would talk to me in dreams and they were very real. And like, I would wake up like freaked out. I would wake up crying, like literally pillow be wet from tears. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like what the heck is going on? But like it was very real. So, in the in in life, he was your kindred spirit. Okay. And in death, he is still your kindred spirit. Okay. Wow. Right. Um, were you close? Very. You still are. Okay. Right. And so, that's all it is. It's nothing to be scared of. Um, there's a phrase I use: intertwined at the souls. Right. Entangled. Um, you. Yeah, you and y'all, y'all are still intertwined. Okay. And it's nothing to be scared of, right? And as you open your third eye and as you start embracing your gift, you're going to see more and more yeah. of it. I, I, I can, I believe that. I haven't had that dream actually in, um, well, since I was like probably 19. Okay. Um, the last dream I had, we were in his front yard and um, the sun got really bright and he went into the bright light of the sun like wow. it was weird it was like hot like it was like burning me and then he disappeared let's see if you have similar dream in the next week or two wow okay so so wow. your, your guy over here what's his name guillermo. guillermo so we were actually talking to guillermo outside and i asked him if he had any paranormal experience he said no and he was like he don't believe but maybe it never happened to me and that made me think you know one experience I had, and I and I, w I couldn't wait to tell it to people. I shared it with my friends. They, oh, you fucking crazy! <laughs> and one of my and one of my friends said, what he said was, uh, "Ah, everything ain't for everybody to see." And it made me feel bad at the time. But once I thought about it, I was like, you know what? You you're right. Everything is not for every everybody to see. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, are are certain people more prone to perceptive to it perceptive to this type of stuff absolutely um do i think everybody has the ability to be impacted by the paranormal yes yeah um it has a lot to do with honestly i think it has a lot to do with you know your upbringing um i think you're born with it hey pinocchio wake up uh, you're drooling there what was on last night uh? 
I was at the club, you know, with my swag and everything, but no one paid me no attention. I see you got the new Jordans from uh, 755 Magazine. Uh, what, did, what did you do last night? You know, I believe I could fly, but no one noticed me on the ground. Oh, Pinocchio, come on. Don't hit on 725 Magazine. You know they got the, the swag. Ooh, you can look at all the really rap. Even though I'm big pimping, I still get no respect. I just want respect on my name. Oh, come on, Pinocchio. All you got to do is look at the latest editorials in 725 Magazine and copy the swag. 725 ruined my life. Don't be like that, Pinocchio. You're not a real boy, first of all. 725 Mag is your number one source in raw entertainment. So if you want to get caught up on the latest in music, fashion, film, exclusive interviews, and more, get on over to 725mag.com right now. 